Ian Graham, thank you for being here today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, no so let's, let's jump right into it. And um, how have you been doing? What's What's been your day-to-day? -day and, and I guess what, what happened for you personally back in mid-March when all was going normal and then all was completely different? So did you kind of have to stop in your tracks with the band and just tell us how that whole process went for you. We had just gotten back from <clears throat> a long European tour that led into a long North American tour. And uh, so we just beat it. Like we were in Milan when this, when this went down. I mean, we're just days afterwards, they locked it down. We got home, Wow. which was weird because, you know, everybody was whispering about it over there, but it wasn't like a big deal, you know? Wow. And then we got home. We're here for a couple of days and hit the West Coast, and we we're hearing on the news is Milan's locked down. You know, I'm like, people are dying. It was just really surreal, and you know, we didn't take it that seriously. I mean, we we knew it was bad, but it was like, okay, whatever. It's not going to like lock the world down or anything. And when we got home, sure enough, that's what happened. And um, so it's been like, okay, this festival gets canceled. Okay, this tour gets canceled, and so now it's just completely up in the air. Yeah, I, that's crazy. You were in Italy, which was, of course, yeah, Milan. Two shows in Milan. <laughs> oh my God, you guys literally just beat it. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that's crazy. So, and then when you guys kind of got back home, that was it. The brakes were on, and and so what have you been keeping yourself busy with since then? Um, actually, it's been a much healthier lifestyle than I've lived in about five or six years. <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah, you know, I just got into exercise, you know, skateboarding again, like every day. I have a regimen. I wake up, you know, make, nice. make some coffee, read, you know, spend, you know, I've gone through tons of books. Um, I'm into cleaning my room regularly, you know, weird, you know, shit like that. But uh, yeah, it's been a <laughs> lot of uh, time to do healthy stuff. Really, it's been super positive, you know, except for the whole disease thing, but. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I, I can concur with that. I've been able to yeah. kind of get into things and approach weaknesses of my own and, and fill in gaps mm -hmm. and professionally and personally. And, and I, the people I've talked to, it's been a lot of the same. So at least we can look at that in, in yeah. a positive light. I, you know, I, I haven't, wasn't spending this much time, you know, doing, doing these things. And, and uh, I, I don't have, a, I don't have a problem being, alone necessarily i'd like to go out and have last call at a bar of course but i mean like during the day i can be left alone to my own devices and, and be a pretty happy person and mm -hmm. i had forgotten that you know and i think that's that's really kind of a cool thing at all this i try Absolutely. to find all the cool things you know yeah are, are, have you been uh i think a lot of us artists are, are kind of in that same boat I, I, have you been able to maintain some sort of you know, person-to-person -person contact through this? Are you living on your own? Do you have roommates? Sure. Stuff like that? I have, yeah. My brother lives with me, and um, it's like the house is kind of separated, so I have to go outside to reset part of the house. But, yeah, I have that. Um, and he's also an artist, so he's just working all the time, like, you know, visual art stuff. And um, so that's a good energy to have, too, you know, like to keep that kind of thing going. Well, in the band, we talk. We live very close together. We have a practice space. We haven't been using it, but we did some recording individually in it. Um, I, I, we're going to end up practicing again soon, probably, because we want to work on some stuff to put out. And um, 
it's been odd. Uh, we have, you know, instead of going to the bar, you have drinks out in the yard, mm-hmm. safe, di- you know, the safe distance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so there's still social contact with our close friends that are like, you know, doing the thing properly, but yeah, that sounds like you're being safe, which is good. Well, I want to get into all the well stuff and everything like that. But before we do that, let's kind of go back to the, uh, the wee little boy, Ian, and, and where he got started with his guitar. And, and uh, why don't you tell us where you're from? And then also uh, when you start playing guitar and when music became more than just a, a love and more of a kind of direction. I was actually born in, uh, in Southern Illinois, in uh, Mount Vernon, Illinois. It's a very small town, and it's like, you know, edge of a cornfield and shit, and we're walk dirt roads to school and all that, and you know, through fields. And uh, we moved to Texas when I was twelve. Um, I my dad was a musician; that whole side of the family was, so it was always there. My mom was really young; they're both really young, just into rock and roll and stuff. So, and horror movies and shit like that. So, like that just imprinted me the whole time. And mm. got into punk rock very early; I was probably about nine or ten. This is like the late '80s, um, and I, I was I was a skateboarder, like mainly that was just obsessed with music, like thrash and punk and stuff like that. And then um, I just was mainly in the skateboarding the whole time, but I always knew I was going to play music. My father, being a drummer in metal bands uh, back then, I ended up with his set when I was 16 years old, and he taught me how to play. So that was my first instrument, and I would play in bands and. We would do like Velvet Underground and Jimi Hendrix covers and shit like that. You know, we were really psych based, you know. Um, and that was the beginning. So about four years I did that. And I was always skateboarding. And I ended up with an injury and I started playing bass. And I rode all the time. So that just kind of worked better. I wanted to be in the front anyway, you know. So I would write songs on bass. I had another guitar player and we would do that. Yeah. And just like, um, that just continued on just like a handful of bands and I and I found out really fast that I was not cut out to be in other people's bands because I had to I was you know I wasn't a I wasn't a great musician as far as like doing covers and following people at all it's like I have to make the shit up because like it, it, I just feel weird I mean I sit at home and like you know whatever like learn some songs or whatever but I rarely can handle uh covers and stuff like that so it was always like me just making stuff up that kind of sounded like other people's shit since i was a kid and um yeah that's that's pretty much the same thing this is that's pretty much the same boat i'm in you know i've had Mm -hmm. my grandma way back it's nothing personal to anybody i just can't fucking join your band (laughs) it's always been that way (laughs) yeah people say well why don't you pick up some side gigs and and do that i'm like that's just not my that's not my skill set you know it's it is a skill it's like, I almost wish it was a little bit more, to be honest, but... You can make more money. <laughs> yeah, you make more money, and, and but it's just, it's, yeah, my whole trajectory in music has always been based around just making my own shit, or, or yeah. at least working with another person or two where we kind of work on each other's shit a little bit, but... Yes. Yeah. But, like, the main driving force usually just kind of has to be me, and it's really, working with musicians, you find that people are, like, way more into being like oh awesome you know i'd like to you know embellish on your idea and stuff like that when uh, i just i just had a hard time with that kind of stuff you know for sure it was always have to be yeah yeah for sure i still don't have as good an <laughs> ear as as many of my peers do in terms of you know lots of the people we know maybe you can do this or maybe not but they can they can just pick up on shit real fast and i'm not 
not horrible, but I can't pick up stuff as fast as other people. I have to no. kind of sit down no. with it, and it's just more time-consuming. It's, yeah, it's probably some narcissism I have. I just won't allow that to happen. You know? I, solos I can figure out pretty good, those those notes. But, man, some of those chord stuff, I'm like, I'm like, isn't that what it is? Like, no, that's not it. You know? Yeah. So when you and your family moved to Texas, what, what city did you guys move to? We moved to Bryan, Texas, which is closer to Houston. Um, it's right by uh, College Station and Bryan are like one thing. That's where Texas A&M University is. It's a very conservative area. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's rad about it, though, there was a, a good skate scene. This is 1991, showing how old I am. But uh, So there was a, actually a cool skate scene, you know, and back then there'd be like 12 skaters in a town or whatever. And I, I really liked that and a lot of cool spots. But it also had this club. This club was called the Stafford Opera House, and it was run by this guy who just did not pay attention to any rules. And downtown Brown was run down; it was derelict. And he, between Houston and Austin, there's one club, and it was Stafford Opera House. And everybody came there, like Fugazi, Dinosaur Jr., in this little town. Mm. So I, at 12 years old, we would convince my mom that my friend's mom said it was okay for him to go. And, you know, and we would do vice versa right, stuff. Right. So our moms would be, con you know, confuse our moms into thinking that, it, that, oh, his mom said it was okay. And they would drop us off at this club at like 12 or 13 years old. Wow. And, and uh, we would get, and there was no, you know, there was no, um, this is pre-95, so it was really easy to have an all-ages show. So, yeah, I saw so many bands come through there, and that was wow. huge. So we're going to this, this weird, very violent middle school um, and then just waiting for the weekend to just go and be like, like in this world that like no one fucking knew about, you know, especially in 1992, oh. you know, 91. So yeah, if and that you was were, a huge fucking influence. You, know? you said you were 12, 13 when, when that was going on? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And everything, man. And it, so, it was, and it makes you feel like a badass too, oh, but yeah. you can't explain it to anybody because nobody gives a shit. First of all, because it's, it's that early on in this whole thing. I mean, like grunge was, uh, grunge was just doing its thing and people were like, mm -hmm. Oh, what is this? You know, I mean, this was fucking still punk. Rock. I mean, we're seeing industrial bands and shit, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was rad. And your pops was a, a metal drummer. Yeah, he played, but he played like in local bands in Illinois and stuff like that. He played in St. Louis and some of the, you know, bigger cities around but it was mainly like he made money doing it you know like cover bands and then he'd play with some other bands that were doing their own thing but you know it never turned into anything big but he was such a excellent drummer though like, yeah yeah and so you said you started drumming at 16 and then went to bass and i know yeah. you of course as a, as a guitar player so when did you pick up the guitar as more of a primary thing i mean like i was like 27 wow wow <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a killer player, but I'm sure the bass and drums help a lot with implementing. I just play it like a drum. <laughs> like that, that, that just, you know, I just play it like a drum. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you can, that also comes through, man, because your riffs are, you know, they're powerful, they're simple, uh, and they're just, there's no fat yeah, on them. Off. It's just, yeah. Right. Thank and, you. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm all about that kind of sound myself, so I really dig, dig, yeah. your, dig your riffs. But so... I believe I read in the, the well bio, you had, you probably had a few bands, but from like, well, let's see here. So 
did you were you playing guitar before you it were in the well were you in when you were in um, prior were you doing drums bass uh, guitar yeah whatever? i was in i was in a couple bands really i was in this band that was on volcom records called single frame and it was like electro clash like kind of avant-garde hmm. and that's how i learned to play guitar because their guitarist quit i played bass i was in another band at the time called volume which was my band and uh these guys were like I can play bass. It's going to be more like they wanted arty shit. So they didn't give, they didn't care if I couldn't play and they're already on Volcom records. Right. So I could fucking like fly and play uh, CMJ in New York and shit like that. And just like, I came out of the garage to that. And, but I had to learn how to play this guitar and they had all these pedals and shit. So I sat, the other guitarist was pretty much a genius and he taught me how to play all this stuff, but I could just play this stuff. Like I could just play their songs right. because it was intricate things throughout, not a lot of chording. And I just memorized all this shit and had to play with all these pedals and like syncopation and shit like mm -hmm. that throughout. So that was like a, uh, no one's ever talked to me about this. Um, uh, that was like, a, you know, like a, this crash course. It was yeah. like sink or swim, like, okay, boom. And then you're playing shows with people in front of you and shit, you know, and you're, this is not your band. Right. And that's how I found real fast that I, I wasn't good at joining other people's bands, but it also taught me how to play the fucking guitar. So it was, you know, well, that's a great in a quote. weird way. <laughs> that's a great quote. Uh, they were already in, so they didn't care if I couldn't play. <laughs> well, yeah. That kind of sheds like, light on the guard itself. On my end. Right. The keyboardist and the drummer kind of held it down and doing their effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was more noise on mine as long as I was in the area of it and kind of playing like the old songs like they already had. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was weird. It was a really weird experience that I, I mean, like no one else, I, you know, had that experience with the guitar. That was my main first fucking jump in. Mm -hmm. It was weird. So how long have you been in Austin for? What, what, what time did you come into Austin? I've been here for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, so was that band out of Austin that you were just talking about? Yeah, actually, they, they came from Brian, too. Uh, it was a good friend of mine, my friend Adrian Henry, who owned uh, he owned the skate shop in town, which was also a boutique, which is also a record store, which also we all worked at, you know, and, and there. So mm -hmm. and he's a few years older than me, just a couple. And we all moved together and I was the youngest, you know, I was like the kid and the whole thing. And then his band started, he got really good reviews on Pitchfork, like perfect. And then he sold all these CDs overnight and then it was like, boom for him and single frame, the band. And I was just there. I was a skateboarder that was going to college, you know, and like living in that house with him. And, uh, after that happened, I got injured, which led to me really focusing on like learning how to play bass. And then, did you fuck up a leg, a leg or something in terms of the drumming? You couldn't do the drumming anymore. Uh, I was I was just going back and forth that I'd be in a band and I wouldn't be in a band and my drums were not. I couldn't move with them, so they were in Brian. Uh -huh. So when I would come to visit my parents, I would play. Like it was a real weird because I was mainly focused still on skateboarding, like uh -huh. constantly. So mm -hmm. and I was here and I did I I broke one ankle one year and then the other one the next almost to the day it was October so that screwed me up and it gave me a lot of downtime for those two years and that's really when I started playing a string instrument mm -hmm. and sitting on the edge of the bed or whatever right but and it was in Austin you know and everybody in Austin was in a band back then right still cool still kind of that way 
still kind of yeah it's changing it's changing it is changing no yeah like when i was so i've been here about 10 years Uh and the first five years it was like that and now it's 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 there's a lot more business types in for sure yeah oh wow isn't it weird like every day because i still picture it as much as i talk about it i'm like oh austin's changed and shit like that in my head i still picture it as it was i guess it's kind of like growing up with somebody or something you picture them like they were in eighth grade all the time you know until you get, you go out with them and you're like shit you know you packed on some pounds or whatever the fuck you know yeah um, but yeah that's how i picture austin then i go drive around and look at stuff and i'm like fuck this really isn't the city you know and now this whole thing is yeah. i mean this is a real watershed I, who knows what's going to come out of this i mean <laughs> a lot of people fighting <laughs> fighting through this yeah venues and everything it's yeah i know when it when this comes back it I think it's going to be awesome when it comes back. Mm-hmm. I think there's just going to be like no venues. I think there's going to be like a couple venues. I think that's actually going to make things thrive in a weird way. It's going to fuck things up in a weird way. It's just going to be a different city. Yeah. Every city's going to be a different city after this in America, you know? No doubt. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like these pop-up situations or, or curators kind of, you know, whether it's backyard or, or driving uh, parking mm-hmm. lot shows and – that could yeah. kind of fill the gap for a few years and then hopefully, so. hopefully things will kind of get back to a, some, some kind of normal normalcy or whatever. But yeah, I um, think with the vaccination, I think that, that's going to fix things. Yeah. So when did you start getting into a, a band or groups that were kind of more into the sound that you guys are pumping in with, with the well, kind of that heavy gloom blues, heavy riff kind of thing? I played music that was kind of, well, in the beginning, uh, I was, you know, it was more like I was really obsessed with like Johnny Thunders and Joy Division and shit like that. Like it say, let's say 2000, mm-hmm. 2000. Yeah. And so like, it was always gloomy for me. <laughs> like I can't write, you know, my catharsis is just darker subject matter because it's like, you know, it's probably the horror thing I was raised with. And like, I just like that stuff. I, um and i think i purge it in myself so i'm not really necessarily like that but that's what comes out um and no matter what band i was in i was always writing heavy-handed introspective shit you know um so this just made more sense i started hanging out i I still worked with a guy at a band called the roller which is a really cool band from here in austin and they were like fucking doomed sludge like southern sludge stuff and i didn't know about all that shit i knew about black sabbath it was always my favorite band but i would never i was never going to play that music i didn't i had heard a pentagram but i wasn't you know and that's mike from the roller i worked with him and he was like oh well you like metal too because i was like yeah i was obsessed when i was a kid i'm not anymore blah 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 he's like well check this band out check this band out so pentagram surler baltimore all these fucking bands and um and i was like other people did this shit. It wasn't just Black Sabbath. It was really weird, like profound to me. And I was like, fuck, this is really cool. So I was just like, all right, I sat at home and kind of messed with it. And I was like, it came out of me fucking more naturally than anything else ever had. It was like, I was pushing anything else out. Yeah. And I was like, this is, cause it's like a drum, you know, it's like, you know, like that kind of shit when you're riffing yeah. mm-hmm. and it made things so much more fucking easy for me. It was like, I'd been um, 
scratching with a rock and somebody gave me a, a Sharpie for the first time, you know, like yeah. literally. Mm. So that that was the thing. It was always gloomy. I'm like, everything just fell together for me. I was like, this is how it is. And I can add anything to it. You could put synth in this and it doesn't, you know, just, yeah, it was very nice. For very sure. Good. So, because reading the bio again for The Well, I noticed that there was some precursor to The Well that sent you off in a direction of, uh, you know, I guess it's read something like Retribution or, or Revenge was involved with, with oh. the, <laughs> your whole band or whatever. But so what was, the, what was the project like before, whatever that meant, if, whether that was just kind of romanticizing it or whatever. What was the um, group like before the, the well and then talk about those early days of the well a little bit? I was just in, I was just in another band with Jason and um, I got, uh, they just kicked me out because I wasn't partying with them and, and doing their thing. And I was a different person. I, I seemed pretentious, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I like a certain, I like to be around a certain level of, of work environment when I am in work mode. And we were partying a bunch in that band, you know, just a lot of drugs and alcohol, you know, and constantly. And then I was like, I pulled away. And then they're like, well, we'll fire you. And then the van lasts like five seconds after that. But, um, and, and after that, because that was more, that was more stuff like the kinks, you know, shit like that. And like, like the libertines and like bands like that. I mean, it was kind of like this Brit kind of slightly punkish shit. And then I was like, I want to crush everything I've ever fucking done. And this is the sound that it makes. Right. And that's the well. Yeah. Oh, and that was, that was the decision. Yeah. And then we got Jason. So, cause me and Lisa had been writing in the garage together for a while. And it was like a lark, you know, we were just doing it for fun. And, and then it was like, fuck, we've got some material. Let's get Jason. And, uh, and I'll know he'll love it. So we'll just steal him from the band he's in. Right. So, um, we get him there like, yeah, let's record this demo with us. Just do a couple practices. And he was just like, fuck, this is so fun, you know, and like, and like, yeah, and he's back with me again, you know, and it was just like, he's like, yeah, within days, he was just like, I can't do this with this other band anymore, and he was like, let's pull four, and we practiced four times a week, you know, yeah. and we were fucking practicing like 16 hours a week and shit like that, like, we, we went nuts, and I there was love- no other bands, there was no other bands doing that shit here, there was like the Roller, which was like way bigger and heavier than us, and uh, yeah, it was just really you know, and we, at the beginning, we thought we were going to be like kind of like the cramps <laughs> and, uh, you know, with some Black Sabbath thrown in. Like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Mm-hmm. So, and then, it, but yeah. But it just kind of turned. took on its own, became it its did. own life force. Yeah. It really did like a child. Like, yeah. it was like this child that grew up real fucking quick. And then we were just kind of serving it. Like, this whole fucking time, it's been that way. You know? Yeah. That comes nine to, years, you know? Nine years, man. Good, good for you guys. And the same lineup through nine years, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody else could deal with us. <laughs> well, the first time I saw <laughs> you guys, we were, we were playing right before you. I think it was during South by, and it was out at, um, I don't know, Southside, I think Indian Rollers, where it was. And, uh, oh, yeah. And that was the first time I'd seen you. And then that was, uh, I mean, that sound just jumps right out. And it, like you described, it, it's its own thing. It's its own baby. And it, it just comes right out and the sound is just in front of you. And you three are all, you guys had, I mean, she had the long hair when I saw you. I think she's, uh-huh. but you guys all had the same length hair, yeah. all the stacks. Yeah. And, 
so simple, but so immediately <clears throat> the sound just jumps on you, and it's such like a gelatinous, pleasant, warm, heavy groove that it's. I just stood and watched the whole set, and was, well, thank you, because that's how nice. I feel about it too. Yeah, it's, it's my like little sauna, my purge, you know that 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 noise, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, Ian, I wanted to talk to you about some of your guys' travels as a band. Um, I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to do extensive touring across the the States, but I've never been overseas. And I know you guys have done quite a bit overseas. And I know you guys went to um, Nepal, right? Did you guys go to Nepal? Yeah. So what were some of your, uh, I know European travel can be kind of a mixed bag of very exciting because you're across the world sharing your craft and and kind of a real schlep because it's, you're crossing country lines and borders and a lot to deal with. So we got really familiar really fucking fast. It was like, yeah. How many tours have you guys done uh, across the pond over there? We've been there like seven times in three years. (laughs) Seven or eight times, I don't fucking know. Um, I mean, not, and they weren't all tours. Um, a handful of tours, maybe five or so. And then we did some festivals where we do like three or four shows, right? And we, we, once we, we flew to Helsinki just for one night. Wow. And then we started wow. an American tour. So wow. we went there, did the festival, got paid, flew back. I mean, talk about jet lag for four days, you know? And then like the next night we're playing like... Uh, we played uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, we're playing a festival in Helsinki. And then I, I, we're like, with I hate God and shit. And the next night we're playing a small bar in fucking Tulsa, Oklahoma. Not the yeah. next night, but like, you know, out with earth moves and shit. But it was, yeah, it felt like hours later. We were all just shot. You know? Oh, man. Yeah, I could see your guy. I mean, I could, you could see why there'd be a big European draw over there. So that makes a lot of sense. What are some of your favorite places that you guys have been and maybe some of the places that didn't really uh measure up um as far as like favorite place i mean when you're when i'm in europe i'm always focused on like finding a a gallery or whatever the fuck you know it's like so i love i love paris of course um Mo- oh, oh, just but I, I just I'm so focused on the art and stuff like that and then we play on a bunch of club shows most of the time I love Berlin we have a lot of friends in Berlin Berlin is like a fucking second home for us mm. um oh wow London it, London we sell out and that's weird because we've only played a few times London's really cool to us as far as shows go mm-hmm. as far as like cities and seeing things you know the Italian countryside god um, I love Switzerland, you know, like the the Alps, because we follow the Alps like every time for some reason, like Austria across and uh, just all, all of that area. I miss it so much because I should be there, you know, right now. Um, fuck. The, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Europe is just, uh, it, people are like, I think most deaf said, like you know, the rapper, he was like, he's like, the best thing about being an American artist is a European audience. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, we're we're so I mean we're like kind of jaded and shit here, like the way we act, you know, at shows, and there they fucking lose it. You know, they don't have like a hang up. But I'm not gonna be cool if I wear the t-shirt or whatever the fuck. You know, it's like it's like they're into it, and especially metal, it's a fucking religion. The festivals are amazing. It's a culture there. You know, 
there's people that are fans of ours. They're like a doctor couple that are in their fifties that show up with their, with their war vests on and stuff. And they'll take the train from festival to festival. It's just fantastic. It's fucking humbling. Yeah, man. I've heard that about Europe many times, many times. And I think that goes back decades. I think that's the way yes. for a long time, all the way back yeah. to whatever example you want to use Hendrix going to, going to England or what have you. Totally. He had to be, it wouldn't have worked here. Right. It was so, too weird. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've heard that before. And, and, uh, that's strange. It's strange, but it's, it's good to have that. And I'm sorry that you got, you guys can't experience that at the moment and that it might not be a little while before you get to experience it again, but, but you know, we just got to ride it. I mean, whatever out. we got very spoiled and very lucky from that shit so mm-hmm. you know i think about it like that i'm not missing out on anything i've had a really good run any fucking way if it ends tomorrow so fuck it you know well that's good man <laughs> when, you guys are, when you guys are doing the europe do you guys have a like a band van do you guys take yeah. trains oh, you gotta rent the gear you gotta rent a driver we always use a driver i guess some people drive which is a good idea to save money but the hassle of that it must be pretty stressful to drive man. yeah it would be so i you know getting a driver and plus the driver is usually you know i mean he's he's bilingual if he doesn't speak you know english italian maybe german too and it just helps out so much mm-hmm. and they know the area and it's not a big deal so but yeah we have to rent all that stuff so that cuts in the budget so you got plane tickets to that and gear rental and also gear rental i hate most store-bought amplifiers, I think, are garbage at this point because I've had a custom. I'm, you know, I'm fucking spoiled at this break. point, and right. I've saved my money and I've bought the things that I wanted. I'm, and then I get used to that, and then I have mm-hmm. to go there. I'm like, okay, all right, this is great. You know, I'm just pissed. You know, like the tone's weird, and right? So you, but you end up with that. You know, are you bringing your axes over and just getting the rest, or you do not even bring your your guitars over? Oh, I bring my guitar. Yes, yeah. I can't. That would be just no. I yeah. can't do that kind of shit. And then Lisa, pedals as well. Yeah, pedals and guitar, so I do have some control. Yeah, yeah I do have some control. But, yeah, you I know, spe- I, I rely on my speakers and my amplifier. You know, they, they hang out together. They do their thing, you know, and their relationship. And then my pickups with that. I've just worked on this shit a, a while because um, I'm a nerd on that level. And, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I'm happy to be there and stuff. But it's like I'm, they're never seeing the well from here, right? They're never right. seeing us, which is our gear, too, you know. But maybe yeah, one day I'll be rich. <laughs> yeah man that that's always tricky when you when you're playing shows with with different amps it just never feels right and it's you can never get the same sound even if you it's loud yeah. and it might be heavy but it's the the nuance is not even close really so and I, i've know. seen your rig i mean that's that that is a custom rig so yeah and that's not going across the you know it's not going across the pond you know <laughs> there's no way in hell and so it's just like shit what am i gonna do yeah but people probably you know one thing you hear about fans audiences like if you make mistakes or whatever on stage they never know and so they probably most of them probably have no no they don't know the difference between the it's it's the energy it's me being pumped to do the job and like you have to get used to using a new amplifier and get that relationship going because it's a visceral issue that i'm having mainly you know on stage with some shit that i'm not used to um yeah, because I, I mean, I'll play the songs right and shit like that, but it's it's just it's just like okay, to get jazzed off of this fucking tone that I did not make essentially, you know, it's it's just bullshit. Nobody gives a fuck, bullshit. you know. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's just all my 
problem. So I just don't let it, anybody know. You know? Right, right. <clears throat> um, and then you guys went to Nepal, which was a, a, an interesting yeah. place for a, for a gig. Was there a festival going on over there? And, and how was that experience? Um, that was, uh, you know, we had uh, some fans from Chicago and uh, who do, who do uh, restaurants up there that are uh, Nepalese. And we, we um, he's like, hey, I do this festival, Kathmandu. You guys want to play? And I was like, he hits me up after the show in Chicago. And I'm like, and he's like, next year around this time. I'm like, sure. Yeah, I hear all kinds of shit after shows. I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> Fucking nice dude, though. And a great little group of people with him. I hit it off. And then literally like 10 months later, he's like, okay, you guys want it ready to do this? And we're like, sure, whatever. So we booked a European tour right after it. And he flew us there. And we had... um 12 days and we went the length of nepal in a wow. van you know with a little entourage and shit and uh it was fantastic I've, I've wanted to go to nepal since i was about 16 or 17 years old i've always been in eastern philosophy and stuff especially tibet and nepal and their influence on buddhism and stuff like that and how it was different there and it was really weird that it was so specific to that um it was like it was it was just like this you know it's one of those experiences when things line up and it's like magic and uh it was amazing you know i flew to china you get off of china and then you keep going and then um talk about jet lag man that must have been oh it, i but i i was so primed for this fucking okay, trip so, yeah. that, that i stayed up you know like i was like i was exhausting myself beforehand like not sleeping for like a day and a half before i got oh. on that plane to where with the help of some Xanax, it evened out like almost perfectly to where you just arrive and it's all backwards and shit. But that was, uh, we played, we played a couple shows and the receipt, you know, kids are waiting for something there, but like there's, I don't know how many Western rock bands have played in Nepal period, like yeah. ever. Yeah. Like, and that was the thing, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's not a hot spot for money because no, so nobody gives a shit, mm -hmm. but what, what it is, is a beautiful, life experience with some of the most wonderful people in the entire fucking world you know wow and uh, it's like it's like i mean things made out of wood that are over a thousand years old you know like it just it's 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 amazing architecture going where the buddha was born uh, i played in that town like Batwal. there's ox in the street and i'm in this club that's like two stories and amazing you know playing on like the second story stage looking down at everybody just weird shit wow. and, and then you go outside and smoke a cigarette and there's ox <laughs> and ox and goats and shit in the street and, you, and there's no street lights and then you go in the club and the club is like this european badass club you walk outside it's like what the fuck is going on it was insane wow yeah that sounds awesome man i wanted to move there so bad <laughs> like i was just like this this is like my place so yeah. what what so you did a few shows in nepal you said that mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so were most of the places did they have that solid venue european vibe or was that just one of them and were the rest kind of just outpost uh what well, we did, did just 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 a couple so i don't i don't know what the other bars are like i didn't see any bars that look like that just walking around. Um, we played a, the festival thing and that was very nice, very well organized, very well done, packed. Um, kind of, kind of like more of the upper crust of, of, uh, of Do, And like the, one of the heads of the police there was in the band that played before us, you know, it was like those wow. le level of people in the society. 
And uh, it was really strange. And all the little girls, the mothers were all bringing the little girls up to Lisa. It was fantastic because they're like, look, you can do whatever you want. Because like, this is Nepal. I mean, their culture, like, who knows? But they don't see girl rockers come in there and see that kind of shit but it was it, she was a big big deal and all the little girls had their pictures taken with lisa and the mothers made sure that they knew it was so wow. fucking cool on so many levels like, so we can wrap up nepal pretty uh pretty, oh, yeah, pretty, yeah. but no 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 i i i, I wanted to hear one more thing about it because mm-hmm. well my wife is actually from india now she's from kind of southern india oh right. so she's yeah, not yeah, from so northern yeah. india but nepal mm-hmm. is is in between china and india correct yeah and so what, what is, what is, at least in terms of what you gleaned while you were there, what is the culture like there compared to a, an American or a European, you know, what, what is going on in Kathmandu? Um, well, people are just, you know, they're, they're, they're holding onto their culture and just trying to survive in a, in a more, uh, in a more, uh, well, in the economy, you know, and you got these two fucking countries that will take advantage mm-hmm. India and China yeah. sandwiching them right. and they're using them against one another essentially because India and China like to fuck with each other. Mm-hmm. So you have these poor, these people in the middle who don't really care about all that shit. You know, they're just like doing their, their thing. They've always done that. You know, that was mm-hmm. like, that was like a huge trade route forever. So it's, it's a mix and it's a, and it's particular like to culture and stuff like that. But, um, it's like these people are getting the, like kind of the shitty end of the stick mm. because these two superpowers are like using them because of that border and shit, you know? Right, right. And, and they, and they want to take over the economy. So some, you know, the influence of the communist thing here and then, you know, whatever India has got going here and they'll push in and they'll give money and they'll, they'll, it's, um, it's as you would expect. I mean, the culture itself is, 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 is stable, but like, the economics are an issue and the is, it, is it like a issue. would you consider it like a second world country or or i mean it's is it third world it doesn't seem like it's, it would be it's third, third world. world okay okay it's it's definitely third world okay mm-hmm. yeah okay. yeah and, and and what's third world that, that's for uh capitalists to um you know monopolize and Wonder that's what people and, try to fucking yeah. do you mm-hmm. know it, it, i mean and and just but these people are so mellow like horrible traffic no honking, no ugly faces, no swearing. Hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, you know, you're gonna go to a temple and like, that's you're gonna get the vibe, or whatever you know about what it's about. It wasn't, it wasn't the fucking temples, you know. It wasn't, uh, and that their spiritualism is everywhere. You know, people are going around. You know, you touch the, touch the, deity and all that stuff. But it, it was the people, and I see because you know concepts of God are projections of ourselves, and I could see why, because they're even and, and mellow and you know for the most part and like that why wouldn't it come from there mm-hmm. you know it's uh like that that was that was it the 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 prof- profound stuff i got out of it was the people mm-hmm. and why you know how buddhism and hinduism mixed where it did there and um anyway yeah that's what's going on and, and you know of course but you know it's a poor country and people will exploit it and that's you know they have to fucking tooth and nail all that shit happened with their um, uh, royal family and all that, where there was that weird murder and all that. And there's all kind of conspiracy about what happened with there. I mean, it's just two countries fucking with somebody small, like always, you know? Yeah, it's such a game. wild, those, I mean, China and India, they're so mm-hmm. old cultures, man. 5,000 yes. years old, 6,000, so much stuff. 
you sandwiched right in the middle of that. That's that's pretty unique. And they have their own thing, you know, and they, you know, and and a lot of people from Tibet, a lot of like whole Tibetan neighborhoods, it's all Buddhist. There's no beers, you know, in that area because everyone's Buddhist. So everything's mm. beer. You see monks walking around, and that's that's the neighborhood and shit, you know. It's not like here you got like a Polish neighborhood or whatever. It still kind of looks the same, but right. there's like, well, that's that's the Tibetan neighborhood. It's like a section, you know. Monks and yeah. ox and goats. Yeah, and you'll see that you're in a fucking city, and then there's there's just dogs everywhere. First of all, wild, yeah. like dogs, there's street dogs. Yeah. And I made friends with a couple, and they would find me every night, like on my way, my walk home. Like the same dogs mm-hmm. would see me across the street and just like stop and fucking bolt, you know, and just like because I pet them and I'm nice to them sure. and shit. And I, yeah, but uh, <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Hopefully, you guys can get back there at some point because it sounds like a oh yeah a special and- experience for you. And I talk to the guy weekly still. It's a big, I mean, we have a really good relationship with the people there. And, and it's just like family. I mean, like they take you in and you're visiting, you're basically a deity visiting the home and they fucking, everything is about you. Oh, They're wow. pouring, you know, and they, they want, they want to watch you eat and shit like that. It's, be, it's beautiful. It's humbling as fuck. Wow. Man, it's, it's amazing. But anyway, yeah. That's dynamite, man. So what do uh, you and the well have planned in this un- charted territory ahead are you guys working on some new material oh yeah guys come up uh, without you guys being such a heavy touring band obviously that's off the map for a while you guys just kind of working on new material and and seeing what happens over the next few months yeah just i I have enough to start a full album i mean right now i I write in sections i like to have that sections and i usually be able to write a verse usually a you know riff verse and hopefully a chorus and I have a bunch of those set up and then I take it to practice and then they throw their stuff on it and then we make the song, you know, we serve mm-hmm. the song. So I got a whole thing of those. Oh, pretty soon I want to release a few covers. I think I might do a, might do like a Depeche Mode cover or something to put on, to put on Spotify or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, some easy stuff, but that's, that's it. Just, you know, make another album and see what happens it's going to be hard because we have to figure out safety stuff because we're all pretty paranoid, mm-hmm. but it's doable. Um, but we're all working and we're all ready to fuck. It, it's so funny when we get, we get together, like we'll do like album signing stuff because we're doing a lot of that um, online purchase orders. I thank everybody who's done that because we're doing, it's been really good for us, but we're doing a lot of signed albums and shit. So we get together and it's just like, fuck, you can feel the energy between all three of us. It's like, we want to go back out again, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's 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 right there. It's just, we have to figure out the safety issues. And, so, and I know other people are just going out and fucking doing stuff and jamming. It just, we're just not like that. You know, we're a little bit more paranoid, I think, than some other people. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. I, I think mm-hmm. it's, a, a, it's a wide range of how people respect the illness or or are scared of the illness just like society same with musicians i've seen a wide range of things too but i'm in the same boat i don't think it's it's not worth it's not worth rushing out there to do it and and putting people no and i have so much work i'll be doing alone that i what i don't do anyway you know and so it's like it has to be i have to fucking get like that it's like you could be doing so much more here you don't require that you know technology i have you know i have a metronome whatever the fuck i need here and there's no reason why I should make excuses why I'm not producing alone or anybody really should, you know, and this is kind of the time because it's not about the party fucking jam time anymore. Right. It's about what you can do as an artist personally 
and that's some fucking looking in the mirror shit. And I think this has been really good for me in that way, you know? No, it's been the same way for me as well. Like right, right. Mm -hmm. Probably April and May, it was like, well, you, you, you know, I love the practice. So I practice all the time and with practice comes writing and and all that stuff. But then probably mid May, I kind of had a somewhat of an epiphany about, all right, where, you know, you, there has to be a new business plan, so to speak. And so I've been trying to focus a lot on YouTube and, and just digital stuff and just yeah. people. like prior, you know, I put out albums, go on tours, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but I've never been a content King. You know what I mean? It's yes, I'm, a lot I'm of on those terms, but yeah. now, but now I've kind of re re switched mm -hmm. to that just because of the nature of the, of the, the times it's like, this is what people want. They need content. Mm -hmm. I have time to make it now. So that's kind of where, cause it's just, there's just no telling what, what the hell, how long this thing is going to last and what have you. So, yes. We I, have no idea. And that's yeah. getting a relationship with that is, is the main thing first. You know? Right. But so yeah, I can, it's yeah. I, from what I've heard, most people, most artists, I've musicians I've talked to, it's kind of a similar vibe. Like they've all found their, their little niche, niche whatever you however you pronounce it uh in a new direction during this time and, and finding and it's new personal ways. yeah yeah you sure. see who the fuck you are instead of being right. in a band you know, yeah. i associated myself with being in a band for you know a long time i'm still in it but it's like really um it's the, yeah like like what you know like how do i get turned on on this level like stay inspired just me you know mm-hmm it's it's cool it's just it's not it's not what it was it's not just jamming with your bros and fucking coming up with shit anymore it's like what do you have inside that, that can keep you going you know for sure man one thing i wanted to ask you about which i wrote down because i just remembered it uh last night or the night before is it was funny because i it was about a year or two ago i mean we're friends on social media so i <laughs> saw some picture you had at a show or or you posted and you had a uh peter tosh shirt and i actually had the same shirt so I was, are you, are you, are you a Tosh fan or did you just, oh, I'm a huge, uh, my, what I mainly listen to is like, is reggae from the seventies. I've collected since I was 12, like 12, around 12 years old. I found that the sex pistols listened to nothing but reggae when I was a kid. Like they were like the sex pistols listen to nothing but reggae on the tour bus, you know, reading all this old shit. And I was like, what? So you buy the fucking Bob Marley legend tape, right. like 1989 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what weird and then fucking i was just all in it was really hard to find back then but yeah yes i'm a huge reggae nerd and like nobody gives a fuck in the metal scene about this kind of stuff al from sleep is is the same way he like makes his own dub stuff you know mm. I, like his, yeah his dub plates or whatever but i am very much in i've been to peter tosh's grave i know his, his, his cousin oh. donovan i used to go to jamaica wow. every year for my birthday yeah really? i've been to his house i met his mother i have photos with peter tosh's mother on her no. porch because oh that's what kind of God. fucking nerd I am when I go. I'm mm. like, well, kid, so is she alive? Whatever, like 93-year-old mother, I'm on her porch, like, with her. She's this tall woman. It's like me and, like, a hat and shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, <laughs> yes. Now I'm really jealous because I, 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 am, a, I am a reggae nerd, uh, so to speak, mm -hmm. as well, and a huge Tosh, huge Tosh nerd. I, yeah. I, I've been into him since I was about 20, 19 yeah. years old, and, and yeah. never never relented on my uh, passion. Go to Jamaica Tosh. if you ever get a fucking chance, and go to his mausoleum in the off season. And it's yeah. it's right in his yard. It's not like I've been to Bob Marley's too, but Peter's is much more humble, of course. Mm -hmm. Fucking, and it's easy to do. You go to Jamaica. It's it's a short drive from anywhere because you make a small spot. And go one day, just go, and you're gonna be fucking blown away. Yeah. 
Yeah. I remember so, going to Jamaica when I was younger with my family, but that was kind mm-hmm. of just your traditional, you know, totally. family vacation well, kind of thing. But we weren't making the trip to Tasha's grave. <laughs> that far, yeah, but yeah, exactly. If I ever go back, it'll be a priority for you sure. Went, went, lick, lick chalice in the carport and shit. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like, cause that's, the whole experience got uh, very strange that day. It was really weird because we we're the only tourists there. So we get time to just chill. And he's like, you want to go meet, you know, you want to go meet uh, granny? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, Pete, Pete's mom. And they're like, yeah, she lives the back of the fucking property. So we just walked back there and I'm at her house. Dude, that is crazy. I, I, I've seen what she looks like because I think it, she's in. Uh, a documentary. Yeah. The, about like, my, my, yeah, yeah. Pious woman. Yeah. She's yeah. very we're very she's christian so old in that so was this like in the mid 90s early 90s or was this more no this was early 2000s she was 93 uh, years old when i met her and she died like i guess a year or two after that yeah wow that but, is but that's yes. big time in uh, it that's, was it was fucking story. huge for me and nobody gives a fuck about that story I but did. i'm glad you do <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up but yes i've been there few times and i spent time there for my birthday i spent a week and we would go all over because i didn't give a fuck about the beach i wanted to go inland where people got inspiration for mm-hmm. making this music i love so fucking much the little yeah. parishes and shit yeah. just going to the interior cockpit country and uh, the blue mountains and all that and he's and there's on the edges you know it's tourist trap but you go in and you see jamaica and the fucking people of jamaica and it's just the openness and uh, you know did you i mean uh, i don't doubt that there's a lot of beauty in there but i know it's also it's really rough in jamaica i mean did you Fuck see yeah uh, oh, some yeah. of the worst ghettos in the off world backpacking. yeah did you get yeah. into kingston like the, the 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 real bad areas of kingston or just stare clear i, of I didn't even go to kingston okay yeah and that's they say you know that's that's fucking uh all the rastas uh, I met and stuff there just like we don't even fuck with Kingston it's like yeah. you know to prepare yourself to go to Kingston it's like it's they, they know how violent it is you know everybody knows how violent and I don't want anything to do with that I mean like it'd be nice to maybe check out some record stores or whatever but I really don't care to go to Kingston you know because everybody was from the outskirts anyway mm-hmm. so it's better to go to those places and then immediately when you get there if you're a fucking reggae fan you know when it's like a part of you and when you get there and feel it just the rhythm and movement, you know why this music is what it was, you know, like why it came and it, it just mm-hmm. grew like that. It's fucking there. And it's weird. It's like, you know, that natural mystic shit, it's totally real. You can fucking okay. feel it if, if you're receptive to it, you know, yeah. I mean, you've been, but uh, yeah, after being this like so much reggae stuff and like, it's, you, you just know, you know, it's a fucking fantastic place, but it is dangerous as shit and it's poor, but it's only dangerous because it's so poor and it's so yeah. uh, economically squeezed, right? Mm. Um, it's not the fucking people though. I mean, that is not their disposition. That is their desperation, right? I mean, it's just, you know. That's awesome, dude. Well, I want to thank you, Ian. One more, one more kind of question for you, just because you're a, a, a working musician and a, a successful working musician and a original, you know, force in the community and travel the world and you have a kick-ass band and you've been affected by the COVID (laughs) as much as anybody because of you know your work has been cut out do you have any and you're an insightful guy you've been in Nepal you've met Peter (laughs) Tash's mother uh uh, do you have any any more uh kind of insight or thoughts on as a music community not just in Austin but kind of countrywide worldwide and 
any thoughts you've had in your time about maybe where we're headed from here or it doesn't necessarily need to be the most grandiose thoughts or, or anything at all you've, you've kind of gleaned from the experience we've had and where we're headed? Uh, if, if we're talking about politically or about the United States. About I'm the, talking um, more about the music thing, but you're welcome stuff? to go into anything politically. If I, you I think, well, I mean, I, I mean, as artists, what, what are, you know, you know, what are you? You're a fucking, uh, you're a barometer as an artist. The nervous system obviously is a little bit different than the nine to five person. Um, and uh, that sensitivity, the environment, your, 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 you know, your sense of your environment. It's a, uh, I, I think that we're in a, beginning of a wonderful creative time because of this level of stress you know and and the and the reaction to the stress so i think artistically i think we're in a good great shape people having to stay home and shit you know like that's personal because art's personal granted we have these fucking phones that have fucked up our art mm-hmm. over the last 15 years uh, you know people aren't reading anymore because you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Also, you get off just like that, you know. And stimulus. I need some stimulus. You used to have to read a book or whatever. Now right. it's right here. Yeah. You know. Um, so think. Of, I mean, whatever that means, you know. Fucking. But I think this has brought us back. I think there's going to be a lot more reconfiguring as far as the United States goes, which influences the entire world. Um, this has been a very revealing era of our issues of where we're where we're broken we've been broken we've been putting a a band-aid over it and hiding it and um but in these times as long as there's freedom to do so there's going to be a lot of fucking art and sensitive people that are with the disposition it's going to be great when it opens up right I think it's going to be different hopefully and we'll be more of a fucking community and not so jaded as we were yeah no i think mm-hmm. that's on point i think kind of leveling leveling any any things we're used to or take for granted yes. uh, is a good point that you're making and just kind of re-feeling the gratitude for how lucky we are for this or for that, whether yeah. it be as Westerners or United States citizens or artists who get to perform on a regular basis, you know, I, I think you're right about, about that for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's going to shuck off a lot of, of, of the bullshit people who are just in it for the party. And uh, I think some really good creative stuff. I mean, you know, I try to be optimistic all the time because you have two choices. You can be optimistic or, pe- or pessimistic and, and they're both bullshit. They're mm-hmm. both conceptual. Right. So why not go with the optimist? For sure. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, I'm optimistic about everything. Like I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. And that's yeah. awesome. What's uh, I'll let you go here in a minute. And I really appreciate it. What, what have you been reading recently? Recently, um, I've been really delving into uh, occult studies. <laughs> I thought I saw yeah. something you posted about uh, uh, Crowley. Were you reading something? Yeah, about- I, well, Crowley's been a big deal for me since I was a kid. I got to Robert Anton Wilson, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, it's like a sci-fi writer which focused on occult stuff, and he's the one who turned me on to that as a kid. You know, I was an acid head, and, and it was like that. You know, it was like far out. He introduced me to quantum physics and all these concepts, mm-hmm. which goes right along with Crowley, which goes right along with these uh, practices, the Western uh, mysticism and shit, which is just an interpretation of Eastern stuff. And this put in this way, people take it for uh, something completely different. But I, 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 I get a lot from it, you know, and I love reading about this stuff and the 
the metaphors. Yeah, I, I, I just it's a it's a huge hobby of mine. It's a big part of my life is 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 researching this shit, and I've had a lot of time to do it. This and it's been fantastic. I've you know, sixteen books I've been reading, and in, in uh, yeah. So that's that's what I've been doing. Completely going into weirdo world. That's what I've been doing. That's great. That's a good place to go, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ian, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it, man. I look forward to oh, hearing man, thanks for the the, yeah. yeah, dude. I look forward to hearing what the well has cooking right now and whenever it come out. I have not. <laughs> but me too. Uh, yeah, dude. Thank you once again and uh hopefully we can do this again in maybe a year or two or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, whenever you want, man. I'm always down to talk about myself. So <laughs> right, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, dude. Take care. <laughs>